Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. By size, we receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant in football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be actively involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion and wanting more information. Usually, we have three segments, you've seen another, but due to the virus and the lockdown, there hasn't been any football, so we'll continue discussing topics. In our last episode, we discussed the flair, the gusto, and the showmanship of African football, and where has it gone in recent time. But today I'd like to discuss what we will label as infrastructure, growth and expanding our game. It will vary in discussion from infrastructure to why players, high profile players, choose to play in countries such as the US, Qatar and then the Far East, India, but not in Africa. Why have tournaments such as the Under-70 World Cup been awarded to countries such as India, whereas a continent which adores football as Africa has yet to secure a high profile tournament at youth or senior level since the 2010 World Cup? When will Ghana or an African country be seen as home and an opportunity for players as in Qatar, the US and now in India? There has been an incredible amount of talent worldwide who have played in India, many from Ghana. But World Cup and European Golden Boot Diego Forlan came to mind as someone who played in India. India ranked 108 by FIFA, with not an in-depth history in football, in fact is their second sport. Ghana, for those who are wondering, are ranked 46 by FIFA. David Beckham, although top of the spectrum, played in the MLS, a league still in his infancy in 2005. He saw not only the opportunity to play in the States, but fast forward to 2020, a vision to create a club, into Miami to sign marquee names alongside talent in the US. No different from India who have attracted the talent to play in the ISL. Ghana was and has been a huge tourist destination, more so following the year of return. Of course, the resources will need to be available, but what would the growth look like if the country was to host the World Cup as in South Africa did in 2010, or develop the league, a Super League, with a marquee name? That would increase interest, increase exposure and provide commercial opportunity and growth. I read an article based on India to which I'm going to read a short excerpt. Deafening silence at the stadium. India is just a penalty away from qualifying for their first ever World Cup. The ball is on the spot. The pressure is building. The referee blows his whistle. The Indian striker lines up to take the spot kick. Every four years, the world comes to a standstill for the world's biggest football event, the FIFA World Cup. The first kickoff is tonight. In India, about 44 million fans watched the 2010 FIFA World Cup, and that number could rise to 63 million in 2014. Yes, this article was written in 2014, before the World Cup. Millions called in sick during the 2010 World Cup. Indian football fans passionately root for this year's favourites, Spain, Brazil, Germany and Argentina. Many are fans of stars like Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Suarez and Diego Costa. But amidst all the passion, there is still one question that eats fans of the beautiful game. Will India qualify for the World Cup? Why should qualifying for the World Cup matter? Because sporting success plays a role in building national pride and instilling the values of teamwork, discipline, efficiency and productivity of the critical economy, social and human development. This is borne out in several examples in modern history. Brazil, Germany, Japan and China have leveraged sporting, not always football, success to build national pride to drive social and development. And what better sport to succeed in than football, a team sport that is watched by billions and FIFA's membership of 2009 nations is more than the number of countries in the United Nations. To bring this football dream to life, we need to create a virtuous cycle in four critical interrelated areas, expand the base of young players across the country, build football infrastructure, create APAN India platform which is an all partners access network to identify talent through structured leagues and tournaments and build football academies to nurture talent into world-class footballers. Schools provide access, media gives visibility and heroes inspire. These are the biggest drivers to build a base of young footballers in India. While school media are playing the roles well, what we need are some inspiring stories of young Indians succeeding in a few major European leagues. Infrastructural development is high investment activity that needs private and public partnership to succeed. That was the excerpt. Following the success of the Under-17 World Cup, European clubs created opportunities for young footballers to play, with the support of companies. 
the FC Bayern Youth Cup in which there's been success stories, Arsenal soccer schools and Barcelona's famous FCB Escuela are the pioneers. And as it began, there have been an incredible amount of talent worldwide who have played in India, including managers with pedigree now. With COVID-19, safety is paramount, but there has been discussions and articles in football as to restarting around Europe and how important it is for the economy. How much of a game changer and how pivotal would investment in the form of a major tournament otherwise be to Ghana? Ghana held the African Nations in 2008. What form of infrastructure would Ghana require for a youth or senior World Cup? The real deal. Look at what the World Cup did for the face of football and the economy in the US after USA 94, women's football and the MLS. What was the success of the FIFA World Cup in places like South Africa, Brazil and Russia? According to reports, between 2013 and 18, the World Cup boosted the Russian economy by $15 billion. In some cases, there isn't financial remuneration, but great PR. But one must capitalise and make good use of great PR. So question, how near or far are Ghana or another African nation from hosting a youth or another World Cup? For the youth tournament, the criteria will be different, and as explained, was very successful for India. Hosting a World Cup is a great honour, and one that many countries fight for. But hosting does not come without drawbacks. It can be a very costly event with no guarantees of economic return. Any country that hosts the World Cup must meet strict infrastructure requirements. These minimum requirements include criteria for stadiums, hotels, transit and communications and electrical grids. In fact, 70% of the bidding process comes down to already having the infrastructure in place or demonstrating plans and commitments to ensure criteria will be met. South Africa spent approximately $4 billion on the World Cup in preparations. Brazil spent estimated $15 billion. Russia spent over $14 billion on infrastructure costs beyond stadiums construction projects that created 220,000 domestic jobs. This comes to about 1 billion per tournament host city. Oil Rich Qatar has earmarked 220 billion to host the World Cup. Yes, you heard that right, 220 billion. They do not have existing stadiums and they have only a fraction of the required infrastructure. So they are starting from scratch in many areas. Further, they're taking the opportunity to show off to the world the luxury and opulence of Qatar. FIFA requires 12 stadiums that are minimum capacity 40,000 to 80,000. The 2026 World Cup will require 14 stadiums and 150 training grounds. FIFA requires that each stadium must have an airport nearby, and each airport must have minimum capacity of 1,450 passengers per hour. FIFA requires 72 base camp hotels for teams and referees, as well as four hotels per stadium location. For spectators, they require 1,760 to 8,080 hotel rooms in each host city, based on which match will take place there. For Ghana, while the infrastructure of a World Cup isn't quite in place yet, a youth World Cup might be. With infrastructure development and activity and high investment, and two of Africa's standout talents at Russia 2018 were Musa Wage, now at Barcelona, and Francis Usoho. While Africa's produced some of Europe's biggest stars in recent years, including Cameroon Samuel Eto and Ivory Coast Didier Drogba, we're all aware it's just the tip of a massive iceberg of talent. The potential and growth in Ghana and Africa is visible and therefore ought to see. For the potential of an international tournament or in development of a product like a Super League, or the likes of the ISL or an African or a West African Super League, opening the gateway to another economy and visibility and inspiring future generations. That's it for this week's episode. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnereu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnereu on IG or Twitter. Thank you, take care, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.